Welcome to the Conquer Your Draft Podcast, where fantasy champions are made. Welcome back to the Conquer Your Draft Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Josh, and with me as always is Mike. How you doing, Mike? I feel checked out, um, so I may let you just handle this episode. Just me talking into the void by myself? Well, and then I'll interject whenever you say something absolutely ridiculous. Well, according to you, that happens pretty often. <laughs> so it'll be a normal episode. Just, I just, I, yeah. I, my, you know what, when you, you're expecting to do something where you're like going on vacation or you have like something like sometimes you get checked out and that's how I feel right now. I'm my, my retreat starts, you know, this week We're we're two days away from it. So I'm already feeling checked out. Yeah, you're just entering vacation mode. Well, it's not much of a vacation. It's like a work <laughs> vacation. It's a, it's more of a working. I don't want anyone to bother me for a little bit, so I can get some stuff done. So, yeah, it's. Uh, I've just, I've got today, and I've got tomorrow, and then I've got my two days, and I feel like I'm not. I don't, I don't know how I'm going to make it through the next two days because this has been one of the most unproductive days of my life. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so. Out. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you're you're starting the podcast off just saying you've done nothing today absolutely nothing well maybe it'll be uphill from here you know or is it downhill <laughs> i don't know i guess downhill. it depends on how you look at it yeah I, I don't know uphill or down i don't know i i, got, I, don't know. I guess it depends i don't know it's it's weird it, it's where i am as well just for some like real life stuff where i am as well is still quite um foggy and smoky from all the forest fires like okay. where yesterday was really bad and today isn't too bad like they're kind of saying that the the weather like the air quality is a lot better today um and is is supposed to be like going down because it's supposed to like thunderstorm and that kind of clears it up um but it's still quite like smoky out there like it looks pretty um looks looks pretty foggy out there yeah, the, uh, the wildfires have been pretty crazy this year. Now, where I live, like the smoke hasn't really affected mm-hmm. us. Yeah, but uh, it has been pretty bad. It has, yeah, and it's uh, it's been kind of every couple of days you get kind of like a a whole uh, slew of smoke. And what's strange is that you know I'm pretty far away from where each of the fires is actually happening. So you just imagine what must it be like to be in that exact area. Like if it's so bad here and we're so far away, like what's it like closer? It, it just boggles the mind. It's one of those things that I just find like it's, it's not good, but it's fascinating all at the same time because you can't help but kind of be amazed and wondered by it because it's like, how, how, like that's such a distance for it to travel. Yeah. It's, it's really weird. I remember, when I was out in the prairies a few years ago, um, there were wildfires a few provinces away. And for like a week, the sky where I was, was like yellow and gray. And it was like something out of like, um, like Apocalypse Now or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, yeah, it's just so weird because it's so far away, but it has such a huge impact. Well, I mean, like a lot of our a lot of the smoke was impacting like the northern United States too, right? 
Yeah, I heard that it was even getting down into the northern parts of the states. Like that's just wild to me. It's such a such a distance that it can cover in a matter of a few days. Yeah, yeah, and unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be going away anytime soon. So, no, unfortunately, not. Um, yeah, it's it's very strange. It does make it, it gives a strange, like orangey, like a gray and orange kind of feel and tinge to everything. Um, not to mention, it honestly does smell like a campfire when you leave. Like it has that kind of like smell on the air um, when you like go outside. So yeah, it's been it's been a crazy couple of days. But according according to what I've heard. It, you know, yesterday was bad, but today is supposed to clear up. Like even by, from about an hour ago, it was still like high in terms of the air quality wasn't great, but apparently they're saying, well, it's going to drop, drop down and the rain will help. Like it's in a couple hours here, it's supposed to rain. So if it does, it will, it will clear it up. But I, again, where I live, it's also been threatening to rain for three weeks and just doesn't. (laughs) <laughs> but it keeps saying like, oh no, the weather app will be like, oh, it's going to rain for four days in a row. And then it just doesn't do it. <laughs> it just like, it gets really like overcast and dark clouds, but just refuses to actually rain. Well, that's not great. No, it doesn't really, really doesn't. help at all. No, exactly. Like a big downpour would actually be very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to any of our listeners who are, I guess, stuck in Mike's same position. Stay safe out there. Hopefully it clears up for you sooner than later. Um, do you foresee that it will impact your, your retreat or your summit? I don't. No. Okay. Uh, I, I have, um, I have two plans. One, if it rains or the air quality is bad and one, if it's not raining and the air quality is good. So, both plans are fine by me, um, so I shouldn't. It shouldn't be a problem. Okay, that's great. Nothing will stop this from happening. Big, big changes are coming. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to hear summer. all about it. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. As I said, I, you know, part of it is about me actually managing and running our league, but the other part of it is I have a lot of responsibilities that happen when you are the commissioner of the league leading up to the draft and while you're doing the draft, including drafting for specific people who refuse to show up, um, that I need this time to organize my own draft strategies, like to get myself prepared. So like these two days is almost also a big thing for me to get myself organized as to what my plan is, because at my end of year meetings, I was pretty upset with myself. So um, we've got a, got a lot of work to do for this year. It's going to be, it's good. It's a big year. It's a big year. I'm just going to keep doing the same thing and uh, hope it works out for me. Well, you know, uh, those who don't adapt die. So we'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll die a champion. That's okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I think, I think we're, we're going to, uh, I think, I think this is the year that uh, the, 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 our pool will be slightly more competitive than last year. I mean, last year was pretty good in terms of the amount of people who are making moves and people were for the most part paying attention, but there are some individuals who I've spoken to who are quite unhappy with the double championship that you had. So I think, I think you got some people that are doing some extra work to gun for you this way. I like, I love competition. It just makes it even better when I win, you know? So, yeah, we'll I, and I do know that some of them 
listen to this podcast. So I guess we're just kind of I you and I are at a bit of a disadvantage because now they're going to know all of this uh, heading into the draft, especially once we start getting into our rankings. So you and I could be in for a bit of a, a tougher go this this season. Well, and it, it's it's true. Like, I think I mean, the, the show is called Conquer Your Draft for a reason that, you know, the draft is important. I think it's it's very important to, to have a good draft. I'm just of the mindset from observing our league the past two years. I actually think that you, double champion, you did not win our league in, in the draft these past two years. You won the league during the year with all the many, many changes you've made because you, for two years in a row, you've been the most active in waiver wires, in trades, especially in making your team and making improvements and like adjusting with it, including like getting, you know, seeing certain, some of your players traded as well, which really helped you. So I, I actually think that even though they will have a bit of an advantage this year, you've got to play during the year. You've got to be active. You've got to pay attention. You've got to listen to our show on a week to week basis to dissect all the different things that happen because it's not just about the draft. A big percentage of, of winning these pools is being able to play the week to weeks and taking a few risks and having those risks come out because there's sometimes you make moves and you know, I'm talking about you personally where you're taking a massive risk, but if it works out, you end up winning your week because you made that move. So Sometimes you got to risk it for the biscuit. You do exactly, and I yeah. again, I, I, you, you did not win the league in our drafts these past two years. Um, you had some tough times actually in your drafting, and you went back and you know maybe fixed some issues by your play during the year. We're just going to make sure you don't fleece people in trades anymore. That's the number one thing. You've had a bit of an advantage. We're got to take that away from you. Bring it on. Adapt, overcome, right? Yeah, that's it. We'll see what happens. Well, because of your summit this week, we're having to record pretty early. So unfortunately, we don't have too much news for everyone. Now we're recording on the Monday of the week. So only a few things have come out over the weekend and so far today. Uh, one of the biggest things that came out, though, in terms of impact for fantasy was that the charges against Devontae Adams uh, were dismissed for shoving a reporter after a game last season. Yes, I remember this. Yeah, so that... Now, I, I don't know, I guess, if the, um, the the victim, the reporter, was involved in that, or if it was just the prosecutor said, nope, we're not pursuing this, I, I don't know. But in terms of fantasy football, that at least takes a question mark away from Devontae Adams, because we know he's going to be great. But if he was in a situation where he might miss a couple of games because of a suspension based on that legal outcome, then that kind of puts a damper on it, right? Yeah. So at least uh, assuming he doesn't get injured, then he should be available for the entire season, which is always good. Yeah. Um, And they've got a bit of a reworked offense. So this will be kind of an interesting year for him. Yeah, I'm kind of interested to see if he doesn't take another step forward in terms of the target share now that Waller is gone and they don't really have anyone else there to that's like much competition, right? So I I I think he could have a huge target share for the Raiders. I mean, he did last year anyways, but I think it might potentially even increase assuming mm-hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo can 
play up to the level that Derek Carr did, which I, I think he's capable of. Um, Derek Carr wasn't anything special really in his time in Las Vegas. No. Um, and that's the thing. Like if you get, if you get a bit of a stronger, stronger offense and a bit more work in the, you know, with, with a new quarterback, maybe things can be different. Um, he, again, like in, in a not, not great situation, he was pretty good. So I think that if you can, if you can improve the situation, he becomes more and more valuable. He's obviously a top end talent. This is a very curious team for me. Like the Raiders, I really don't know what to think of them. I'm still, there's a small part of me, the the conspiracy theorist, that thinks that Tom Brady will be, you know, putting putting on the Raiders uniform this year at some point in time. <laughs> so, <laughs> so just wait for that. <laughs> All right. You wait for that. I'm going to wait to see what Josh Jacobs does, because if he doesn't uh, play or he doesn't sign his tender, then that's going to be a huge blow to their offense. And yeah, yeah. All That's the dreams key. of, yeah, all the dreams of the Raiders offense might just implode, unfortunately. Because I think but. if he does sign and everything's good there, this team is highly competitive and, you know, have a pretty solid offense. If he doesn't, things start to really unravel fast. Now, the NFL, one thing the NFL has done and proven is that teams will, will find other players to fill in roles and they'll find the depth out there. So maybe they might be okay, but... Like if he, so if he doesn't sign, like, is he a free agent? I don't, I think he, I think he's still sort of, I think his contract is still kind of held by the Raiders. So it might be another, like another stupid release situation because no one trades anybody. Um, But, you know, maybe he goes to another team and makes a huge impact there that can negatively impact them depending upon where he goes. Yeah. I don't think they would let him go because they clearly want him. All, all of this kind of stems back to last year when they decided not to pick up a fifth-year option, right? And then he played amazing. But, yeah, I don't know. Uh, like, maybe they could rescind his franchise tag, try to get, like, Ezekiel Elliott or Dallin Cook instead. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's possible, but... Yeah, I don't know the ins and outs, the legality of that. Um, certainly, if they can replace him with a high talent like that, then maybe the impact will be less. Um, but you never know. Like, you never know what's going to happen. Hopefully, they just uh, they just get him signed and, and he's good to go. Because otherwise, like, this is, uh, <laughs> this is one of those situations that if it goes into the season, there's a distraction that you don't want. Yeah, like... I think they, if they're franchise tag, they have to play for that team. But then it would just be an option of if he sits out or not, right? Yeah, which so, you, they always have the choice to do. Like the yeah. players sit out all the time. So Yeah, so I think his options really are get traded. Which never happens anymore. Yeah, get traded before, I think it's July 17th. Um, sign the tender and play or sign the tender and sit out the season. I guess it really is only options at this point. Um, and I don't think the team would just release him unless maybe maybe if they got a Dalvin Cook or Ezekiel Elliott and they f- 
they decided they can work with that. But outside of that, I mean, they're kind of like Josh Jacobs is kind of stuck. And then he yeah, his only option is the I'm just not going to play. But like we talked about last week, that doesn't benefit him in the long run either. Yeah. So that's something that, uh, well, I mean, all these running back situations, this is a very weird offseason for running backs, and it kind of puts a lot of question marks into trying to rank certain running backs, because, like, I know I still have Delvin Cook high up on my rankings just because of who he is as a player, but the closer and closer we get to the start of the season, if he's not on a team, then the farther and farther he's going to fall, right? Because you can't have someone ranked as, like, a top, 10 top 12 running back that doesn't play football. <laughs> like that's the thing. How can you, that's what, so, how can we even rank running backs at this point when they're just, <laughs> they get so tossed around so easily. And these are like big names where if, if that's another one, that's like three big name running backs in a matter of weeks that are probably going to be finding a new team that we don't even see. Like they haven't even, signed like Elliot and, and Cook haven't signed yet. And if once they do sign their top picks, if if they go into training camp without contracts and people start holding the drafts, <laughs> what what do you do? I mean, I guess you gotta pick you know, you gotta assume they're gonna get picked up and then you but you're you're wasting a, a draft selection on a real big risk, even though they're a high talented player of like, well, are they gonna sign? And if they sign late are they going to be where good? Are they going? Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah, and where are they going? And where are they going? What situation they're going into? Are they signing a one-year contract with a team that already has a running back just to overpower them to go for a Super Bowl ring? Are they signing long-term with someone? Like you just don't know. And running backs keep getting into this position in the NFL where teams are really valuing them differently than they used to. They're they're less willing to give them long contracts. They see them get injured a lot. They want to use dual running backs in a system which, you know, sometimes you'd have a fullback, but for the most part, that never happened earlier. Like 10, 15 years ago, you had one running back and your fullback, and that was usually it. Now teams like the dual running back system, which a lot have. So it makes it really tough. It makes it really hard to rank your running backs because you just don't know where so many high quality ones are going to be playing in a couple of months. Yeah. And this is why, uh, we preach draft late because it gives you as much time as possible to get as much information as possible. Yeah, it's very true. Uh, Travis Etienne for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, they're running by coach Bernie Parmalee basically put out a statement saying that more big plays are expected for him this year. Uh, but do keep in mind, they did draft another running back behind him. So could, could be coach speak. Could be they're looking to have him be more of a try to get him into like a more of an explosive play kind of situation yeah. rather than just pounding the ball, maybe a more like downfield target kind of thing. Who who knows what they mean by that, right? Um, it, yeah, it's, it's hard clear, to tell what they mean. Yeah, it's clear he's obviously going to be a big part of their offense, but are we going to see him running the ball as much as we did? We We don't know. Yeah. And then also in the news was Patriots running back Pierre Strong, who is slotted in behind Ramondre Stevenson, is on track to fill the same role that James White did for the Patriots previously. So that kind of puts a bit of a, a damper on Ramondre Stevenson's upside because James White was 
basically a pass catching back. That's all he would do. They would bring him in, throw the ball to him. Um, like a lot of third down work and stuff. So that kind of caps, because I know Ramondre Stevenson is being projected very high this year, anticipating that he's going to get a lot of those targets. But if they're developing Pierre Strong to do what James White did, well, James White, all he did was catch passes and like the occasional run. So yeah. they're not doing that if they're going to be throwing the ball to Ramondre a ton of times too. So yeah, this is why I, I think Ramondre is a great player, but because of who Bill Belichick is, that I have that reservation and ranking him high because this is the smart football play that works with their system. So of course, that's what they're going to do. They, they're not going to just use Ramondre by himself because that's what we want him to do. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's very fair. Um, we've talked about it many times how Bill Belichick does not care about your fantasy football team. Um, he will do what he needs to do to win. Um, the Patriots, like, they're on the cusp as far as I'm concerned. Like, they're one of those teams that I think they've got to start making a move now. They've got to start uh, to push for the playoff spot. They were doing that last year. Um I think they're going to do what they can to win, and that may take the value of several of their offensive pieces down. And this is just another example of it. Yep, that's right. Yeah, they're. Uh, oh, it's 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 hard to move on from when you have a franchise quarterback for so long, right? Like we've seen it now with the Saints losing Drew Brees, Denver losing Peyton Manning. Um, like it, it's just hard. It's, it's very hard yeah. for teams to, because you kind of got to change your offense a little bit, right? Because you got into a groove of, okay, our system works with this guy. but And then you, teams fall into the trap of, well, let's get another guy who can operate the same system. But not everyone's made equal, right? Like they might be the same type of quarterback, but that doesn't mean they can do the same things. No, and it just proves that even though it's a team game, th- there are certain positions that are... The, the value is just so high and quarterback is, is that position. Like Bill Belichick is obviously a good coach, but without Tom Brady, he's not what he was. And I think that that just shows that the, I don't think there should be a Belichick and Brady. Um, there's no way to compare them. There's no way to say, you'd be like, well, who's better? Well, it's two completely different things. Tom Brady is more impactful. That's it. More impactful because he left, won a Super Bowl. Since then, the Patriots have not even been a shadow of themselves. I think they'll climb out of it, and I think they'll be a competitive team again and become a playoff team, and I think Bill Belichick is stubborn enough to keep with it to try to prove that, like, look, I can still be a winning coach. Great, fine. It's just, it's still a different category because your coach cannot influence your team the way a a really franchise and insanely good quarterback can be. If Mac Jones was... Uh, the second coming of Tom Brady, we would be having a completely different conversation about the Patriots. And that's just the fact of it. Yep. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, I think then we'd be kind of having the conversation like, like we have been with, uh, with the dolphins and, and yeah. like their, their route forward or Josh Allen, I guess it'd be what three years ago is when he made that leap. Yeah, from, about three uh, years, I think. Like, yeah. that's when he had, like, the dramatic improvement, yeah. Yes, yeah, about three years, yeah. Yeah, so the rest of the AFC is kind of, well, maybe not the Jets, but the rest of the AFC East is kind of moving in that direction, and the Patriots are still trying to sort it out. So, yeah, we shall see. We shall see. Yeah, we will. But that's enough of the AFC East. Today's episode is about the NFC South. 
So we've got the New Orleans Saints, the Atlanta Falcons, the Carolina Panthers, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What a what so, a division! <laughs> what what? Arguably the worst division in in the NFL currently. Yeah, I yeah I think so. Like I think now that we've gone through them, I think this is probably the weakest uh, of the eight. Um, like I know the AFC has one that's kind of weaker, but I I think especially going in this year without like the Buccaneers are not going to be anything of what they once were. Now this division is completely just open, which which is interesting. But I do think they're that it's the weakest without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. I I I don't even know who I would put up against them to argue as being the weakest. So. Uh, well, well. With that said, let's let's get into <laughs> analyzing this division and try to find the bright sides in there. Uh, we'll start with the Atlanta Falcons. So they've decided to keep Desmond Ritter as their quarterback for this year. I think there was an expectation that they might, uh, like pre-draft, that they might change that up and want to go and draft somebody, but they stuck with their guns. They've decided he's their guy for at least one more year. Didn't do, I don't know. Their offense wasn't very great last season. It was very inconsistent, just kind of all over the place. So yeah. we'll see what Desmond Ritter can do this year. Uh, they do have uh, running back uh, Bijan Robinson, though, a r- rookie sensation coming in with Tyler Algier still on the roster. So their their running game should be, quite frankly, amazing. Should so be, but I mean. <laughs> should be. Obviously, there's always that risk with rookies, right? Is what are we what are we getting? Because um, at the end of the day, they have to prove themselves, right? You can be the best college player ever, but every now and then you do get a bust. Now, I, I do expect that with the Falcons' O line and just the way that they ran their offense last year, if they run it similarly, then Bijan should have a great year and should be highly drafted in fantasy football, but. It was a strange decision for the Falcons to take him anyways because of how well Tyler Algier did. You probably could yeah. have improved somewhere else. But at the same time, I can understand you have a player of that caliber. You don't really want to pass him up either. So I, yeah. I can understand that, I guess. Yeah, I think it comes right down to they had the opportunity to draft this guy and they're like, we've got to do it. And again, the dual running back system has worked for teams. They're comfortable with it, especially with how often running backs get injured. So yeah, the running game for the Falcons could be phenomenal. Um, It might have to be because I really don't think that their quarterback is worth even looking at. And I think if that's the case, the rest of their offense, at least the receivers, tight ends, that's going to be hard pressed for them to have bounce back in good seasons, which is a shame because they've got some talent here. But maybe the running game is what changes everything. If they establish a strong running game and defenses have to defend against that, then it could open up passing opportunities where even a so-so quarterback could have some, some really good moments. It could happen because these, these two players are, are both strong. These two running backs are really strong. So there could be a lot of interesting things that happen with these two. Yeah, they definitely could open it up a bit more for Desmond Ritter. Not mm-hmm. enough that I would still like I I wouldn't be looking his way for fantasy. No, nor nor would I. But I think that it could potentially trickle down to opening up things a bit more for the receivers and the tight ends. Um, so their receivers right now: Drake London, Mac Collins, and Scott Miller at the slot. Drake London is the only one that you really should be looking at there because he is 
by far and away their best receiver. He's coming off a rookie year. Was not as productive as people wanted him to be, but again, that kind of comes back to the quarterback play. But when you look at just the statistics, like for a rookie, he had a great year just looking at the numbers, right? Yeah. Like with the amount of times that he was targeted and routes run and all that, he, he did great. It just unfortunately didn't turn out into like on the field success because of the quarterback play. Mm-hmm. So hopefully with Bijan and Tyler Algier, that it becomes kind of like a snowball effect and then it opens up the quarterback play. He has a bit more time to throw the ball. Then it develops into, okay, the receivers are getting more involved. They get targeted down the field, some big plays, you know. And that's going to carry over into the tight ends as well. Kyle Pitts and Johnu Smith. Like Kyle, Kyle Pitts is, I, I've seen him regularly going in the top three for mm-hmm. tight ends for drafts, right? Uh, same thing as last year. But we saw what happened last year. He did very, very little. Then he got hurt. So it's... Still a gamble, unfortunately, especially at tight end, because we know how fickle the tight end landscape is. But at the same time, we know that Kyle Pitts has the ability to be an elite tight end. So it's it's just the it's, quarterback here, though. Like that, yeah, that's, that's the thing that, that is really that is what it boils down to is the quarterback. Yeah. Because it's at the end of the day, if you put a real like a a pretty good quarterback on this team, then Pitts and London, I'm like, yep, draft them. Draft them along with probably the two running backs, and there you go. Other players you might want to see, maybe, maybe Miller starts to pick up the pace. Maybe you see something out of Hollins later. But that's what I would do. I do not have any reason to think that this quarterback is going to be any good. Like, I just from what I saw from last year and from the way the team was last year. So I'm really hesitant to, to, to recommend to anyone or to even draft for myself to draft Pitts or London because I just don't see it out of this quarterback maybe i'm wrong and maybe we'll see something on a preseason i do think they'll have a great running game and if i'm going to draft anyone from the falcons it's going to be one of the running backs because i think that that's where their offense is going to go but it's just how can you trust that pitts and london are going to have bounce back years especially someone like pitts who yes agreed has all the talent in the world is essentially a wide receiver and tight end all combined together could be an absolute game-changing player but with with the quarterbacking <laughs> he's not going to do anything because the quarterback's got to get you the ball unless Pitts is going to start you know pulling a hill and throw throwing the ball every once in a while then I just I can't see it no and and the other thing to keep in mind is Pitts is still recovering from his MCL injury right so they're expecting him to be back for week one but we've still got two two months before we're closing in on week one so just pay yeah. attention to that so we've got, okay, so there's the possibility he's not even available at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Yeah, the, the last that I had read was that they're they're fully expecting him to be there for week one, but right. anything can happen over the summer, right? Like he could have a setback during training camp, like preseason, who knows, right? Um, but as of right now, they are expecting him to be back for week one. And uh, he is essentially like, you just need to call your shot on Kyle Pitts and just say, okay, I believe he is the elite talent that we know him to be and doesn't really matter that it's Desmond Ritter. He's going to do great or you're not willing to take that risk and you're just not looking at him. And then you got to go for a different elite option. That's, that's basically what you got to do because if you're in a position in the draft and he comes to you, 
he'll be gone again before he comes back to you. So you're going to face that decision probably in your first three, four rounds, depending on your league. And you just got to call your shot. Just is this do I what do I believe the outcome is going to be for Kyle Pitts this year? Because someone else, I guarantee you in your league is convinced he is going to be the elite side and they will take him. I'm sure someone is convinced. I'm I'm personally very low. Like that would be my my official thoughts <laughs> and recommendation or idea or whatever. I'm I'm pretty low on on the Falcons and pretty low on Pitts, but I can understand why someone would take the risk because the talent is there. I've drafted him myself um, at one point in time. Um, so, you know, I think that the talent's there. He could be fantastic in this league, but he needs a quarterback. And right now they don't. Uh, so now we move on to the Carolina Panthers and we've got another not the best quarterback situation because we've got Bryce Young, who's a rookie. Now they mm-hmm. clearly expect big things from him. They drafted yes. him in, with a very high draft pick. But at the end of the day, still a rookie. And they don't have a great receiving core for him. So they too are going to need to lean on their ground game, which has Miles Sanders and Chuba Hubbard. So Miles Sanders is a great running back. And I think we can see kind Mm -hmm. of a a similar situation with, um, like we just talked about with Atlanta. Yeah, Miles Sanders has the ability to do extremely well. And we saw from the years with Christian McCaffrey that the Panthers like to run the ball. Mm-hmm. So if they can establish a solid running game with Miles Sanders, that'll give the rookie Bryce Young a lot more time to develop, a lot less pressure on him. And then unfortunately, he's in the position right now where he's kind of trying to make the most of a not so great receiver core. Yeah, we- that's where it starts to weaken, right? Like you look at the running yeah. backs, and you're like, oh, you know, th- this could work. And then you go to the receivers and it's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, like the, the we've got Terrace Marshall Jr., DJ Chark and Adam Thielen in the slot. So Adam Thielen, he's got the name recognition, but he's at the end of his career. Really DJ Chark. He's, he's had a few splashes, but he's bounced. I think, yeah, he was on the Jaguars, then the lions. Now he's here. So hasn't been able to make a mark for himself and Terrace Marshall jr. Nothing really exciting there either. So no No, big names really for him to be targeting. There's some potential here because you've got, you know, two players with, you know, some experience. And I, like, I think Thielen's a very good, like on a good team, he's a good third option where he's a veteran who can, can, you know, get you out of bad situations. He'll, he'll get a couple, you know, three or four catches a game, but for minimum yardage, but when you really need him to like a good, like third down option. So I think Young's got something that some support there. And with a good running game, you could see someone else emerge it's not the best receiving core for for a young quarterback. I am slightly like more interested in the Panthers over over the Falcons just because we haven't seen Young in the NFL yet. If he can come out and play well and have a good rookie season, it might make Carolina a little bit more interesting than they otherwise would have been because there's a couple names here that could you could see having decent games and decent seasons. Like you could see it. There's a path for some of these players to do well, um, a lot has to go right. And I, I agree with what you're saying. It starts at the running backs. Like, that's where this all begins for the Panthers. Yeah. And un- unfortunately, like we've talked about before, you want a mobile quarterback too. And Bryce Young is one of the pocket passer rookies this year. Yeah, so he's a pocket passer. So kind of caps him 
as well on that side. And it's going to make it a lot harder because he's not going to be running and scrambling and picking up fantasy points. That way, he's he's kind of stuck relying on his receiving options. And at tight end, it doesn't really get much better either. We've got Hayden Hurst and Ian Thomas. Hayden Hurst was just with the Bengals with Joe Burrow, and he couldn't really make much of a mark in terms of fantasy. So I don't expect that to change switching to Bryce Young. The only thing that I would say is that Hurst is going to a situation where the the passing options are a lot less interesting. Like Burroughs had, I would argue, three options before Hurst that you feel very comfortable going to. So, and then if you include the running back, like four. So the only thing I would say is, you know, is Hurst in a situation where he could have a bigger impact because he's there's less options around and he might be able to bring in, again, some some experience and some help and support to a young quarterback. You've seen that happen before where a strong, like a tight end with a, a, a good, at least history on a good team can help a young quarterback out. Maybe that happens. Maybe it doesn't, but that's the only thing I would say counter to that is that Hurst might've simply been in a situation where of course you're going to get thrown fourth or fifth as an option here. Yeah, that's fair. We'll have to wait and see if Hurst has the ability, I guess, to step up. Could be a could be a sleeper tight end pick, you know. He could break mm-hmm. out and. Sure. Uh, moving on to the New Orleans Saints quarterback Derek Carr. <laughs> what, what a like another just question. Like Derek Carr is such from the camp of of Kirk Cousins, where I don't always know what to think of this guy because he does get your points, like he does do it, um, but he's less stable <laughs> back there than than a lot of the quarterbacks that I think you'd really want. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I, I like Derek Carr. I, I don't know. I guess he's, he is like the, like a Kirk Cousins, you know, he's, he yeah. will get, I, I think, I don't know. The way that Derek Carr appears in my mind is basically like he's like Kirk Cousins, but without the, the boom weeks. You know what I mean? Like he's just consistently okay, but he's not going mm-hmm. to have those spike weeks where he, like Kirk Cousins does where he absolutely dominates and gets you 35, 40 points. I think that's a fair, that's a fair way to put it. He's a bit more consistent than, than cousins is, but doesn't have, doesn't have the same highs and lows. Like doesn't have the same peaks where he gets you a crazy amount of points and doesn't have the same like complete and total disappearing. Um, I've just, I don't know. Yeah. Carr has just been one of those guys where I'm like, I'm not super interested in him, but if he's there, I'd be like, yeah, you could do worse. Yeah, and and quite honestly, just with the shape of this division, I think Derek Carr might be the best quarterback that you could draft in this division. In this division, yes, and you got to remember that you play your division six like six games in your division, so that's like that's six potential games where Carr is he could be great. Doubt the best quarterback. Yeah, no, I agree. I I I think that New Orleans is in a position where they can have a bit of a resurgence and a bit of a bounce back, and that's why they made sure to get someone like Carr. Um, and that's it. Like this might be the year where he, where he's his value for fantasy is a little bit higher than normal. Yeah. Yeah. The, unlike the rest of these teams, this offense is actually pretty solid all around. Like at running back, they've got Alvin Kamara and Jamal Williams. Mm-hmm. But now keep in mind, Alvin Kamara is most likely going to be suspended for a portion, if not more of this upcoming season because of yeah. the charges that he's facing currently. Yeah. But, they brought in Jamal Williams to 
at bare minimum tied them over. And Jamal Williams, as we've seen in Detroit, more than capable of being successful for fantasy. Mm-hmm. So he's in a good position because eventually at some point next season, he will have Alvin Kamara back. Right. And in the meantime, he's got a functional backup in Jamal Williams. And then I'm sure, unfortunately, Alvin Kamara's well, obviously Alvin Kamara's fantasy value has taken a hit this year because we're expecting him to be suspended. Um, and it's going to take a bit more of a hit even when he returns because him and Jamal William are going to share work. I don't imagine that they're going to have Alvin Kamara be a three down role with Jamal Williams on the team. So I don't think Alvin Kamara is going to be the elite elite option that we've seen him in the past. I think he'll still be a great option just because of the talent that he has. But I think we're what we saw last year is probably going to be more of what we're going to see this year, unfortunately, in terms of fantasy output. Yeah, I think I think that's very fair. Um, I mean, again, time will tell with that. But yeah, I think that that's very fair. But the wide receiver core now they are very solidly built to help out Possibly. Derek Carr. <laughs> well, I possibly, to, but yeah, <laughs> we've got Michael Thomas, who, when healthy, could be a top three wide receiver. Really, has if been he stays healthy for three years because of injuries. Yeah, right. Yeah, but that's a factor. Um, like that's, no, like that's and, the thing. He, yep, and years. I said if he's if healthy, yeah. if healthy. But but even then, even then, missing that amount of time, I don't. I think it's 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 not likely he comes back being exactly the way he was. Now maybe over time he gets some of that back, but if healthy, I'm I'm not as I'm not putting this guy near the top, which I've seen a lot of other people do. I've seen a lot of pointers like, oh well, now he suddenly becomes a top five wide receiver again. I don't think so. He's been irrelevant for three years because of injury. That is hard to come back from, regardless of who you are. You like the, the game pace alone. Like I don't know. I, I you see it happen all the time, and I hope that he does because that's another like competitive, great name out there and a strong wide receiver, and we need more of that. But I'm less confident that Thomas is going to make a major impact finally this year. I will. I like when I see it. Great. He's still going to, I'm sure, be a decent ranking once all said and done, especially from you know my my definitive rankings that will come out uh, after my retreat. But I I just don't think I'm as I'm as high on him as I've seen a lot of people do. I think there's a lot of uh, nostalgia that's coming into play here that doesn't have enough evidence to back it up for me yet. Oh, I think it just essentially comes down to if he's healthy because last season he only played three games. But in those yeah. three games, he he averaged 14 points a game yeah. in fantasy. And he had a touchdown. He had three touchdowns, so averaged a touchdown a game. So if he stays healthy and he can replicate that for a whole season, easily in the top top 10, top five wide receivers on the year. And because of all that question, I think you can get him probably later in drafts. I don't think he's going overly high right now like as per his ADP I think he's ranked high in some people's but I think as far as his ADP he's not going until uh average wide receiver 45 so yeah but the but the like the people who draft right now are pretty dumb so I I'm not <laughs> too concerned about average draft position this early like no like I'm I, I'm I'm being funny, no I, get, but, like, I get what you're saying I'm also but, like but this what, also what? counts this counts mock drafts too, right? So that's people who know what they're doing. Yeah, mock, mock drafts are different, obviously, because people are mocking it out and putting it together. But I've just seen from a lot of like rankings where people are starting to like, I think over the summer, 
as people see whether or not he's healthy, that's where you start to see him climb and climb and climb because people who draft later, they're waiting for more information and they see like, oh, he's starting to get, you know, maybe, maybe he has a good training camp or what have you. I just, I'm, there's so, there, just in the sentence you said to explain Michael Thomas, there were three ifs and that's not good. Like that's <laughs> very, very, very risky. And I know that high, high, and we've seen examples of fantastic you know things but then we see just Deshaun Watson where it's like complete like a, a absolute useless pick in the draft could have been great could have been a steal absolute useless so where he's going to land on there we don't know but i'm i'm just not as high on the list yet until i see it i've just got to see it once it happens like yes if if he starts the season again with three great games like you just described then i'll probably be like you know what he seems healthy He's probably back to normal. That's great. If he gets injured in week four, <laughs> then there you go. You wasted a high pick again. Yeah, that's fair. But I think if you can get him, if you can get him in a mid round pick, that's kind of where you're taking some swings, right? Yes. And yes. So, later in the draft. Yes, yes. Yeah. If you get him with your sixth or seventh pick, then he ends up being healthy. Like you probably just won your league with that pick, really. Because you got an elite wide receiver, elite running back, elite quarterback already, right? And now you just got an extra elite one for free, essentially. Yeah. But we'll, we'll see. see. There is other options there on the team because we got Chris Olave. He mm. is he's very strong. He's Absolutely. he's going to do well. And then Rashid Rashid Shahid. Uh, He's great for if you need a flex player. You know, you got a bye week, you got an injury. He's involved enough in the offense that if you just need to spot start him for a week, he'll get you some points. It might not be many, but he'll he'll get you through the week. When you go on to uh, tight ends, we've got Juwan Johnson and Foster Moreau. They have Taysom Hill listed as their third tight end. But now Taysom Hill is just a complete wild card, so that means nothing. As far as tight ends from the Saints go, I would draft Taysom Hill as the first tight end just because you don't know what you're getting with him. He one week, he's the tight end. The next week, he's the running back. The next week, he's a quarterback. You know what I'm saying? Like he's just all over the place. And that has more value, I think, just because of how the scoring is than either Juwan Johnson or Foster Moreau present. Now, I know you had Taysom Hill on your team last year, so I don't know if you feel <laughs> differently. Um. Listen, I, if they used him properly, I would agree with everything you just said. But you are making that statement, assuming that his skill set will be utilized by a competent coaching staff. That is correct. Yep. That didn't happen last year. I have no reason to believe that will happen this year. So the only thing I'm worried about is that Taysom Hill... You're right. When when they played him, and he, like he'd be the type of person who would only have four passes, three running attempts, and three or two, let's say two catches for tight end, and have twelve to fifteen points. So barely doing anything, coming out for a handful of plays, and like he scored a touchdown, made a big play, like he was utilized in that way. And for fantasy, it was a goal. Like you had a golden nugget. You were you were you had someone to, to play in your tight end position who essentially was a quarterback. Or, or a running back. It was perfect. He's such a unique player. But that then you would have a game where he, nothing, zero points. And then it would happen consistently. And then suddenly there would be another one. And I know this because I had him. So 
I ended up moving on from him just because like I needed a tight end who would get me, you know, at least five points. Like I would settle for anything over zero. So that's the only thing I'm concerned about until I see the coaching staff change their approach to him. Then, then I'm, I'm uncertain, but he's a very appealing player. I agree with everything you said. I would draft him for sure. If I thought he was going to be utilized. And they were going to use him in different dimensions in the offense. Because if they do do that with him teaming up with Derek Carr and everything they have, the Saints could be incredible. For some reason, they just don't want to do it. I don't know why. They want to be bad, maybe. I don't know. They want to be bad. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know what their reasoning is, but it's it wasn't good. So I'm hesitant. Yeah. No, I, I can certainly understand that, especially after going through it last year. Yeah. Um, but then we move on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Speaking of quarterbacks I once had. Yeah. So much potential, and it's probably all going to be wasted. Yeah. Because they have Baker Mayfield as their quarterback, and he's had his day in the sun. It just hasn't worked out for old Baker, unfortunately. They have such a good offense, just looking at their other pieces, that the fact that it's Baker Mayfield just kind of ruins it because I just don't see it. Like I don't see him being able to piece this together. If they had a, even a halfway decent, could you imagine Derek Carr on this team? Yeah, that would be a great team. That would like a hundred percent winning the division. Baker Mayfield makes this a huge question mark, regardless of the fact that they've got some in and for fantasy as well, some really good options here, but Baker Mayfield's the one who's got to bring it all together. And I just, he's not going to do it, right? Like, I, I'm not crazy in thinking he's not going to do it. Oh, no. No. It's, I don't know. Maybe if they have a healthy O-line this year, they can just give Baker enough time. that Because the, the other options on the team are very good. Maybe the O-line can give him enough time that even he can make something happen, you know? Maybe. Um. And like last year was kind of unfair for the Buccaneers because their O-line was just decimated by injuries before they even really had a chance to do anything. So, and they had a good O-line the year before. So we know that they're, they're able to do it. So assuming everyone comes back healthy that uh, they still have, they, and they drafted an offensive lineman. If, if they can get that back to working, they can buy Maker, Baker Mayfield some time. They can use Rashad White to run the ball. Uh, they got Chase Edmonds in there at running back. I really like Rashad White for, for fantasy because now, granted, I would probably want him as like an RB3. Yeah. Um, like a flex running back. Uh, yeah. But I, th- I think he has the potential to do really well, especially if their O-line goes back to what it was free last year yeah i like him as a running back i like him as a nice flex option on your team like i think he really fits in well with that and like i i i think there could be potential here again it it, it's all that question how how is this o-line going to stand up it could make the big difference here because this is still a very very good team so the one position that is I, i think a little bit less impacted by having baker mayfield is well they could establish a really strong running game here like they could do it yeah yeah they absolutely could they um, they still have elite options at the receiving game, though. They've got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, right? And then they also have Russell Gage in the slot. But Gotta get the ball to them, though. That's that's the thing is, 
<laughs> can can Baker Mayfield do it? Like he cannot. <laughs> like I'm just calling the shot right now. I watched him during the Nickelodeon game last year. He was terrible. Yeah, that's fair. So right now, Chris Godwin is going as the 25th wide receiver, and Mike Evans is going as the 31st. Hmm. That is very low for them, considering what they've done in the past. And it all comes down to just Baker Mayfield, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, it's it's unfortunate because they are very talented and they could be very impactful one or two receivers on your team. Like we've seen people who have them like do quite well with them yeah. consistently, but that was when they had Tom Brady, right? And they yeah. were getting touchdowns a game, like that was just happening. <laughs> so I remember I had Antonio Brown, the third piece of that amazing puzzle. That was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for a little bit. And then here we are. Yeah. And then tragedy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Mike Evans and Chris Goblin, though, you can probably get them for a lot cheaper than normal. And I think there's always a, a world of possibility where they move on to Baker Mayfield and try out Kyle mm-hmm. Trask or, or John Wolford. Um, Th- who knows? Good. Yeah, like who knows if they'll be able to give get Mike Evans and Chris Godwin back to an elite level or not. But yeah, but I mean they're good. They're good options, just not to build your fantasy team around. Like you shouldn't be building your receiving core around them. But like again, a flex option here and there, certain matchups. You wait and see how it goes. Like I, yes, I would still say Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are on my no draft list, but they're definitely not once what they were. I wouldn't say they're on my no draft list. It it all just comes down to the price, right? Yeah, you're like a price I, person. Well, yeah, because I, you're going for value at that point, right? If you can get, if I can get Chris Godwin in like the sixth round, I'm easily going to take that because even if he doesn't pan out, what did it cost me? A sixth pick. I've already <laughs> got my running backs and my wide receivers and a quarterback yeah. or a well, tight end at that of, point, right? That's like, sort of what I mean. That is sort of what yeah. I mean. I would only draft them if I've sorted out, like, I've got here are my wide receivers I like, here are my running backs I like, and now I'm looking for backups. That's where I see them. Like, I more tier it when it comes to, like, drafting, where I'm like, Evans and Godwin aren't even quite flex players for me. They're, like, very good bench players. They're at the top of my, like, bench, where I'm like, if I have them on my bench, I'm happy. Because I clearly have a good offense, and those are options I can go to. And if they do bounce back, they're going to have a great season. We're essentially saying the same thing, but you, you know, you like your your mathematical code, and I like my my more tier or category systems. Yeah, Maybe they're categories uh, more than tiers. I don't know. I'll, I'll discuss that at my retreat. Okay. Yeah. Sort that out. <laughs> Figure out a name. <laughs> okay. And to round out the Buccaneers, we've got tight ends Kate Otten and Co Keeft. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, Kate Otten could be good, but probably not with with Baker Mayfield. So not really a tight end room that I'm looking towards. No. And that is it for the NFC South. So Mike, why don't you rank them for me? Oh yeah, this is a great ranking. Um, okay, so number one, I'm going with the New Orleans Saints. I think there's just enough there that makes me think they're going to have a good season. So Saints number one, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think will finish second um, because they might move on from Baker Mayfield if he's not 
good in getting it done. So I think they're going to be there. I don't think they're a playoff team, but that's where I'm putting them. Carolina Panthers in the three spot. Um, Carolina and Tampa could switch a bit for me. I think Tampa has a much stronger team at the moment, but it all comes down to that quarterback. If Bryce Young comes out swinging, might change my mind. And then Atlanta Falcons, number four. So the New Orleans Saints, number one. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, number two. Carolina Panthers, number three. And Atlanta Falcons, number four. I think this is the biggest discrepancy that we've had so far in terms of our rankings. That's fascinating. I, and it's unfortunate we don't have enough time left to argue about it, but <laughs> go, go ahead and give us, give us uh, a ranking. I've got the New Orleans Saints at number one as well. Okay, great. And then I go to the Atlanta Falcons at number two, the Carolina Panthers at number three, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at number four. That is solely because of Baker Mayfield. Take. Absolutely ridiculous. Desmond Ritter is not that much better than Baker Mayfield. No, but with Bijan and the running game that they're going to be able to establish, I think that in terms of this division, I think they're going to do better. I think to Baker Mayfield, until they make that change or bring in someone new, because I, th- I don't think Kyle Trask or John Wolford are going to do much better either. They might be better than Baker Mayfield, but that's still not great either. Um, they have a good defense, but they're having issues on their defense with uh, with White wanting to leave. So there's a lot of things up in the air for the Buccaneers, and I just don't like it for this year. The Falcons, they've got an elite option essentially at each position now except for quarterback. So all Desmond Ritter needs to do is just play decent, and their offense can be great. Carolina Panthers... They have a good running game. Unfortunately, that's about it. They've got a rookie quarterback who could be great. Like, we don't know. But that's the thing is we don't know. They don't have a great receiving core. Maybe Hayden Hurst can jump out of the tight end and establish himself. We'll see. But Tampa Bay, unfortunately, they've got good receivers. They've got Rashad White, who can be good if their O-line performs like it did two years ago. But right now, I just way too much good faith in the Falcons. That is, hey, you are betting everything on the Atlanta Falcons. They're your team this year. No, 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 no. Every time they win or lose, you're no. This is from this point forward. They're your team this year. We are going to let me be clear. Atlanta Falcons update on every episode. Let me be clear. Let me be clear. The New Orleans Saints (laughs) are far and away number one. It's essentially the Saints are number one, two, three. And then everyone else is number four, but that's not how this ranking system works. So no, it's I not. But them... yeah, I mean, so I, uh, I have so many questions. We'll have to save it for next time. But I, no, I, uh, I just can't agree with that personally. I think that you're putting way too much faith. I think the Atlanta Falcons are a bottom feeder, um, but we'll see. Right, everything can yeah, change. We'll see. Soon we'll be in preseason, which is a fun time. Let's move into our players to target before we run out of time here. So I've got Michael Thomas, Miles Sanders, and Bijan Robinson. So Michael Thomas, like I said, you can you can get him later in drafts for the most part. And then it's simply just if he's healthy, you're great. If he's not, you got him late, so you can cut your losses and it's not going to hurt you too badly. If you're taking him really early, then that's when you start running into issues and I would not be targeting him there. Uh, Miles Sanders, I think he's probably going to be a focal point of this offense. He's a great running back. I think he can do very well. And Bijan Robinson, he is going to be running the ball a ton. 
And that's just always great for fantasy, especially with what we saw last year with how Tyler Algier did. And Bijan Robinson is a much better player than Tyler Algier. So I think he's going to have a great fantasy season. I'll quickly go through mine. Miles Sanders, number one. Chris Oleyev, number two. Jamal Williams, number three. To target. All right. And your players to avoid? Baker Mayfield, number one. Um, yep. I'm I'm going to put Terrence Marshall Jr. as number two. Um, and Tyle Al- Tyler Algier as number three, just because of the B. John Robinson uh, potential of ruining his stock. All right. Fair enough. My three players to avoid, Bryce Young. Like we said, he's a pocket passer, does not have very great receiving options, and he is a rookie. Number two, Cade Otten. You might be tempted to try to get a last-minute tight end. You know, all the elite ones are gone. I wouldn't be looking his way to get one. And I'm avoiding Alvin Kamara just because of we don't know how long he's going to be suspended, but we're pretty confident a suspension is coming. And now he's going to be sharing the backfield with Jamal Williams. And that is it for the NFC South. Next week, uh, we're going to start getting into draft preparation with some draft do's and don'ts. So stay tuned for that. If you have any fan questions for us, please feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at via email at contact at conqueredraft.com. You can go to our website, conqueredraft.com. Go to our podcast page, fill out the form there. Or you can reach out to us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Conquer Your Draft. Take care. Stay safe. <laughs>